0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Mind Body Mastery podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Michaels, and so thankful that you are here once again with me today. I've gotten so much love from you guys over this last week. It's been incredible. So I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for supporting this show and come to tell me about it. And I had a huge influx of reviews this week, or, well, huge for my standards, and uh, and some of them have been, like, oh, just so cool to see. I, like, every time I see a new review, my little heart just does this, like, glorious birds chirping, sky-opening rainbow dance, and I yeah, it's just the best. So this is what fuels my fire to keep going. So thank you everyone who has taken the time to either reach out to me personally or give me an iTunes review. And as you all know, iTunes reviews are really the best way that you can support this show. So keep them coming. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, much love to you guys for all of your wonderful support and feedback. It really means the world to me. And so on the show today, I'm so excited to share with you a wonderful conversation that I had with Laura Sago. You may recognize that name from not only the Like Mind, Like Body podcast, but also through the uh, Curable app, which is an app that empowers pain sufferers with like evidence-based Techniques to unwind their pain. Her passion for Curable's mission comes from firsthand experience because she went through her own chronic pain journey. She suffered from debilitating migraines, like 48 hour plus migraines, chronic knee pain, and intermittent sciatica. And today, Laura oversees the development of Curable's content, including the recovery program and the podcast. It's really one of the most awesome podcasts in the mind body space. So, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, there are just incredible interviews, um, for each and every episode. And so, um, so yeah, so without further ado, we will get into the show and yeah, thanks again for being here again today. It's, uh, Really warms my little heart. Here's Laura. So I'm here today with Laura Sago, who you may already know as the host of Like Mind, Like Body, which is one of my personal favorite podcasts in the mind-body space. She's interviewed all of the biggest names in the TMS community, including Dr. John Strax, Dr. Howard Schubiner, Dr. Tor Wager, Alan Gordon, and Dr. David Hanscom. Her personal journey through the world of chronic pain actually led her to discover the Mind-Body Connection, which then blossomed into a life's mission to bring this message of hope and healing to the masses through Curable, which is an interactive app that is changing lives every single day. Laura, it's such an honor to have you on the show today. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Caitlin. I'm so grateful to be here. So I reached
0: out to you originally to kind of get your own personal pain recovery story. But Mm -hmm. coincidentally, you were already kind of in post-production with your own story um, for your own podcast. Um, So for those listening who maybe haven't tuned into that episode yet, could you maybe give us an abridged version of that story today?
1: Sure. And I actually, I'll include some bonus content that's (laughs) not necessarily... In that episode, um, it's funny when you're recording one podcast episode to cover the pain recovery stories of me and both of my partners, it just can't all fit. Yes. We could honestly do a separate full hour on YouTube, <laughs> especially my partner, Eric, who had more ailments than I can count. Um, but my story is in the in the podcast episode i really focused a lot on my migraines which i do believe was the worst of my ailments but my chronic pain journey really began with knee pain and that happened in my very early 20s late teens even in college mm. and so i used to run 3 to 5 miles a day and that was my mental health outlet. I did it no matter what. I went to school in South Bend, Indiana, and it was very, very cold there. And I would still run, even if it was snowing, even if it was zero degrees, run outside. That was my thing. Mm -hmm. And then I got really excited and started training for this half marathon. I was following this whole training program and I was doing great with it. I was really proud of myself. I was feeling excited for the race. And then one day I went out for a really easy training day it was like a five mile run and I got about a mile away from my town home and I my knees just there's no other way to describe it than they just locked up mm. it's not an injury you know I didn't feel anything snap or pop it was like my whole body just completely stopped wow. and I could actually hardly walk and I was far enough away from home that it took me quite a while to wobble home in tears because the pain was so awful. And on top of that, my thought patterns weren't super helpful because I was thinking about how I was not going to check this half marathon off of my to-do list and I wasn't able to go. Run and how am I gonna stay in shape? So of course, on my tearful walk home, all of these negative thoughts were spiraling through my head. I'm just very, very upset. I went to the doctor on campus, I think the next day. and their best hypothesis at the time was that maybe I hadn't stretched my calves or my thighs enough before all of my training and so that they, they thought that maybe there was something wrong with my IT band. They recommended some physical therapy, which I started to do. They gave me this whole really intense list of exercises to rehab it. And they told me that the half marathon was out of the question, that I probably wasn't going to be able to run for a few months because IT and injuries take a long time to heal. And so I just sort of accepted that and moved on. I was incredibly diligent about doing all of the exercises and resting when I needed to because I was really, really invested in being able to run again. right? Um, but fast forward six months. I did everything that they told me to. And saw absolutely no improvement. Ugh. And so. I was okay to walk. But every time I tried to go for a run. Even a short run. I would get probably a mile. And my knees would do the same exact thing. They'd just lock up. It felt like my bone was just almost in the wrong place yeah, or something. So cool. I don't know how to describe it. It felt incredibly physical. It, sure. There was no notion in my mind that maybe this was stress-related or anything like that. It felt really physical. And so I just, after a while, kind of started to accept that my knees weren't great and mm-hmm. that this injury may not ever fully heal and that... You know, my, my grandma's had bad knees, my mom had bad knees, I didn't expect to be taken out of the exercise game this early on, but I figured that I could just sort of shift my routine around and make do. Mm-hmm. I eventually got back up to being able to run about two miles again, but nothing beyond that. And even that was pretty hard. Yeah. And then I just completely shifted my focus to spin classes because that was supposed to be easy on your knees. Mm-hmm. So that was my next solution because I still needed my super high impact cardio for my mental health <laughs> outlet. Yeah. If I, if I don't go, if I don't go exercise every two to three days, I'm not a fun person to be oh. <laughs> So yeah. I really need that outlet. Yeah. So I been for quite a few years and I loved it. And by the time I, I would say the next five years were devoted to just doing my spin classes, really being easy on my knees, not doing anything high impact for my knees. I never would try strength training because lunges and squats really, really hurt my knees. Mm -hmm. It gave me that same Mm -hmm. sensation of you are making things a lot worse. You'd better stop or you're not going to be able to walk. (laughs) At least the voice in my head told me. I just didn't do it. I stayed away from strength training classes. I stayed away from weights or anything like that. And I just stuck to my spin classes. So I lived in Manhattan for three years and I had a fantastic career there and tons of opportunity and also What came with that was a bunch of stress and pressure, which I wanted to release at SoulCycle. And so I was going to spin class all the time to kind of balance that out. And wouldn't you know, at the time when my job was starting to become really stressful, I sat down on my spin bike one day. And I don't know how to describe it other than the second my butt hit the seat, it was like my body just said no. Hmm. It was this shooting pain like I had never felt before and again just like with my knee pain there was no fall there was no visible injury this was not something that I could really trace back to a wrong movement it just appeared out of the blue one day and I put my butt on the bike seat and I could not stay there and I spent the whole class Um, standing up on the bike, basically, so that I wouldn't have to sit down. But I was still just in all this pain. It started shooting all at my back and at my legs, and it was really scary. And so I went to a couple different doctors, actually, trying to figure out what was wrong because now I couldn't run and I couldn't spin. And that was starting to become very worrisome. And they basically gave me a diagnosis of sciatica by default because they couldn't actually figure out what was going on. Sciatica is one of those diagnoses, sort of like fibromyalgia, when the symptoms are, they are not just there, they are really, really strongly felt, but the doctor can't find any physical evidence or can't really give you a clear answer. And so it's just kind of this catch-all for Well, other people who describe these sensations, we just say they have sciatica. So you're Mm going to have that too. And so that was the diagnosis that I was given. They kind of told me just don't do anything that hurts until you start to feel better. And that would be a period of, for me, one to two months after I would feel my up. So it would slowly die down, and then a few months later, out of the blue, the same thing would happen. I would just go in one day, no injury, no nothing, sit down on the seat, Mm. shooting pain, just like, then it would start hurting as I walked around and as I sat down in my chair at work, and it was just, it was just this whole mysterious thing. And I started at that point to feel like my body was against me. yeah, and. I was also really annoyed that every time I went to the doctor, they couldn't give me a clear answer. And I knew that it wasn't the doctor's fault. I guess I was more upset with my body for yes. not getting into something that made sense. Right. <laughs> uh, for not giving me an injury that had a clear answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. It would be a little more clear about what was going on. And so I just kind of altered my routine and dealt with that. And I was pretty upset. It wasn't nearly to the level that so many other folks with chronic pain have to deal with. You know, I was really fortunate that I could still walk around. I would go on the elliptical for a while to try to get my exercise because that didn't aggravate either of my conditions. So I found ways around it. I wasn't happy about it. I sort of resigned myself to this life of shifting exercise routines Mm -hmm. to accommodate my very confusing body and it made me sad but I could live with it. Yeah and then the migraines began really shortly after the sciatica and that was the final blow where I could no longer say, oh, well, you know, this is like an altered version of life, but I can accept it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to several doctors. No one's been able to help. So I guess this is just my lot in life. Once the migraines came, I was, I just needed to get rid of them so badly. I could not handle them. Um, And so I knew I needed to really, really do something drastic and keep searching until I found something that worked for me. And so at what
0: point after the migraines began, did you find, I know we didn't go over this yet, but, um, I know you ended up seeing Dr. Strax, right? Mm -hmm. How long were you dealing with all of this before finding this solution?
1: Years, Years. probably. Yeah. Several years. Um, the migraines didn't start out as bad as they got. They got progressively worse as mm-hmm. the years went by. Mm-hmm. And as, as things in my life became more stressful and as I became almost more ill-equipped to deal with it because I just wasn't listening to my body. I didn't know that I was supposed to be right. listening to my body in that way. Um, and so... I went to several doctors in New York and I was just kind of trying all of these workaround solutions, just all this trial and error stuff there. One of the, my doctors had a theory that it was caffeine withdrawal. And so I would I would just alter all of my caffeine intakes to try and even it out. And that didn't work. And so we went through a lot of other dietary potential triggers and played around with that. That didn't work. I was trying to pay attention and track the lunar cycle and the barometric pressure Mm -hmm. and I got a very very fancy mouth guard because another doctor had a theory that I was grinding my teeth too much at night and that did help for a little while but it didn't stop the migraines Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just kind of made my jaw feel more relaxed which was (laughs) um And so it wasn't until I moved away from New York and moved to Chicago that I was able to get in touch with Dr. Strax as kind of a last resort recommended by my partner, John. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then you attended
0: Dr. Strax. He has like a, what is it, a six-week workshop?
1: Yeah, it's changed. It's evolved over the years. So I at the time that I was in it, it was six weeks. When he started it out, it was a four-week program and he found that people would tend to, within the span of four weeks, get a little bit better and then they would immediately leave the class and get a little bit worse the next Mm -hmm. week, get really discouraged. So he extended it to six weeks to allow people time to get better have a setback and have that experience of a setback in a more safe, controlled environment yeah. um, so that he could kind of coach people through that first hurdle. Now, I think, I think he even offers a nine-week session at this point. I'm not totally sure. Yeah.
0: And so when you began the workshop, um, did you have a pretty quick re- response to it or did you have setbacks too?
1: Both. So during the workshop itself, I made pretty quick progress. It was a little hard to track the moment that I got better because my migraines didn't happen all the time. I was mm-hmm. very lucky that I didn't have chronic migraine. So I couldn't say, oh, I've only had two migraines this week. That's better than before. Mm-hmm. I would get one Every two weeks, that would last for 48 plus hours and just completely took me out of the game. So, the first couple of weeks, I hadn't gotten a migraine in the class, and I wasn't sure if this just would have happened anyway and wasn't really due for one or if this stuff was working. So, it kind of took a while for me to see that it was working. But the big turning point in knowing that my migraines were getting better for me was. During the class, I had a really, really personally stressful weekend coming up, and I kind of pep-talked myself beforehand and said, okay, if all of this, your life is related to your migraine stuff is true for me, then this weekend is invariably going to trigger a migraine for me, right. and I okay. know it 100%. There's no way it's not if this is the case for me. Right. And so if that starts to happen, I can almost start to laugh at it because I know that that's why it's happening. Right. And then I can try some of these techniques and see what happens. And sure enough, leading up to the stressful weekend, I start to feel the, um, I guess what you would call the pre-show of the migraine, Mm kind of like the symptoms that come right before you feel it coming right before the big tidal wave and I kind of laughed and I said, okay, all right, it's, it's go time. time this, is, yeah. this is this it. <laughs> and I just kind of <laughs> sat in my bed and laid down and didn't force myself to do anything and said to myself, okay, well, the worst case scenario is the migraine pans out like it always does. And the best case scenario is this stuff can, take it down to, I don't know, maybe just one day. And so I started just telling myself that it was going to work. 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 And I started doing some of the exercises. I started making mental images of watching my pain reverse. I did this really intense visualization about it. And really slowly, it just kind of started to fade. And that was... This insanely transformative moment in my healing journey, because then I could also apply this immediately to my knee pain and to my sciatica, because it was like, this is how my body responds to my life. Right. This has to be the answer for everything. You know, I've been this person for years that doctors looked at and said, it doesn't really look like anything's wrong with you, but you in <laughs> medicine anyway, just in case, because right. you are feeling a lot of pain. And so I just thought to myself, okay, this is it. And that's the moment that my belief went from maybe this can work to this is working mm-hmm. and this is for me. And I was almost, I guess you can call it, determined to get everything else better immediately. And I remember in that first week, I went on my first four mile run in seven years. Oh my years. gosh. Wow. How in did that In the go? first weeks. It was great. I mean, I was a little slower than before because I was. <laughs> <having> <laughs> that's okay. And I had the little Map My Run app open and I screenshotted it and I emailed it to Dr. Sprax with just a bunch of exclamation oh points. My so gosh. I was just so excited. And it was a really beautiful moment. I remember. I ran all the way out to Lake Michigan um, up here in Chicago and just looked out and I couldn't believe that I did it. It was just this really beautiful moment. It felt really empowering and I just felt way more in sync with my body and my feelings and the way that those two are related than I ever had before. Oh, wow. great.
0: Wow. So cool. Mm-hmm. So then after this like incredible experience – um did you feel compelled to start sharing it with your family and friends and were they like either were they more or were they less receptive than you maybe expected?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I think that is the reaction for everyone because it's like this the migraines were this 10,000 pound weight on my life. And when that lifted, you know, I would have sang about that from the mountaintops alone. Mm-hmm. But then these other things, the knee pain and the sciatica that I had accepted were just my fate for those doors to be opened to. It just felt like I was living in this magical yes. candy land of you can have anything you want, yes. You're- Okay, everything's all right, and all I wanted was for everybody else to be okay too. (laughs) So, of course, I start, you know, telling all of my friends about it and immediately figuring out that it's not really very easy to talk. Oh, oh, it's the hardest thing (laughs) with other people, and I kind of got obsessed with trying to crack that puzzle and trying. To be able to communicate this in a way that could resonate with people and that they could see themselves in and that they could say, this isn't crazy. (laughs) This is, this actually makes a lot of sense with the way that the human body works. And maybe this is the case for me because I knew it's like, once you feel it for yourself, you look around at the rest of the world and you can so clearly identify 10, 20 people in your life who this is absolutely the case for. Yeah. Or all. instincts. <laughs> or all. Yeah. <laughs> Just want it to resonate with them so badly. Yes. So I was really obsessed with that mission of giving people the ability to use these kind of tools. If they wanted to and giving them a fair shot of being able to see themselves in this process rather than just hearing something worded the wrong way and feel like, oh, no, that's not really for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to waste that opportunity for people to be able to have access to this healing.
0: So then that kind of blossomed into a super purposeful career for you through curable can you kind of start talking about the curable app and um, how did it all begin and how did you design the program
1: it did for sure so yeah curable is it is my baby (laughs) it's a path project for sure so as i mentioned before my partner john is actually the one who led me to dr strax in the first place So he was one of the first people I sort of bonded with post-recovery when I had all of this energy and enthusiasm around why doesn't the rest of the world know about (laughs) how can we open their eyes? How do we heal people like we've healed? And he had his own experience with chronic pain being healed from these methods as well. So he was all in too. And... The more that we talked about it, the more we thought that these methods really, really just needed help in the Department of Communication. Yes. They are so actually well-supported by research and science that when you talk to doctors and you talk to researchers, they actually agree with all of this stuff. It's not like it's this fringe medicine thing. They actually say, oh yeah, that's been my experience with most patients. I just don't really know how to talk about it. Yeah. So as soon as we started addressing it more as a communication issue than, an is- than any other sort of issue, things started to fall into place. And we started to say, okay, how do we take all of this really great work That these physicians and these researchers and everyone have already done on this and put it into a format that people can use to see themselves, Mm -hmm. to learn about what's going on in their body and to apply these concepts in a really easy way to their own life and to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the challenges for us as we went through this program was you learn about this stuff and you just kind of say, all right, well, what do I do next? What kind of steps can I take to heal? And we wanted to give people that answer. We wanted to give them a guided experience. Once they saw hope, they could pick up this app and say, okay, this is, this is my pathway. This is my path forward. It might not be overnight. It might not be a straight line, but this is something that I can do to help myself get better and to help reinforce these concepts in my mind and to and to keep learning about this stuff. So that was really um, what we were going for. And that was the value we felt that we could add to this movement. Because of course, after you get healed, you just want to give back. Mm-hmm. You want to give back anything you can with whatever skills that you have. Right.
0: Yeah. So then um, what has – it's been out for a year now, a year and a half?
1: Yeah. So we initially launched a version for our friends and family that was migraines only. Yeah, that was like our little beta test to see if an app could – effectively teach people about this and help them apply the concepts to their own life. And that was wildly successful. So we opened it up, I believe, June of last year to the public. So yeah, just just over a year ago. Yeah.
0: And um, since releasing the full version, what has the response been like so far from both users and say medical professionals?
1: The response has been incredible. So let me just I realized I didn't give a great summary of what actually the app is. Yeah. Um, so the app includes neuroscience education, evidence-based techniques, and pretty much everything you need to start your healing journey. It isn't necessarily a one-stop shop because we see so many people have great results by coupling the app with one-on-one care from a physician who's familiar with TMS or from a counselor or a therapist or something like that. So we love, love, love working with the medical community, not an either or approach. Right. Um, but the app can almost be viewed like, like your jump starter kit and also your homework between your appointments. If you are someone who needs a little extra help and needs to go see a therapist for this on an ongoing basis, this can really help you keep up with it without having to be in the office three times a week. Right.
0: And so um, you recently opened up a like curable Facebook group that I noticed because I'm a curable member. <laughs> um, oh. And uh, and it was just so cool. In the last few days, there have been just so many people sharing their recovery stories from using the yes. app. I bet your hearts are so <laughs> full. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, I to keep going and to invest as much time and effort in this as I do, hearing these stories are literally my fuel yes. to keep going in this job. And it I have to read at least one a week and luckily <laughs> we have so many users that they do not disappoint. We get many a week of people who have just been in pain for so long and have changed their lives or even who are just starting out on their journey and say, you know what, I haven't had hope in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And this has given me hope. That's incredible. So the response from our users and our community has been overwhelmingly wonderful. Um, and the response from the medical community, I would say I was really surprised at how warmly Curable has been received by most types of healthcare practitioners by physicians by neurologists by mm-hmm. physical therapists by you know acupuncturists and massage therapists and nurses and just kind of across the board yeah. everyone who is interfacing with patients every day has the experiential knowledge to understand the connection between the mm-hmm. symptoms these people are experiencing and what is going on in their lives They all know this as almost common sense to them. Mm -hmm. Their problem, like I said before, is that it's hard for them to communicate that to their patients or to their clients, particularly in a setting where a lot of physicians have eight minutes, 15 minutes with one client. How are you going to teach someone about the neuroscience of pain in that amount of time? And even if you do, and you get them. To say, okay, yes, this is what's true for me. You don't have a good answer for them when they say, okay, what do I do now? Right, right. (laughs) So that is a gap that we are hoping Curable can fill and already is filling for many practitioners. And they have been overjoyed to have a next step to give to their patients.
0: Yeah. And so, um, within the app, you have sort of you know like the the education piece, and then you have the meditation piece, and you have the writing piece. What has been so far like the most resisted element of the Curable app, and then also <laughs> the <cured>. most oh, <laughs> there is? Yeah, let me guess: yeah. writing.
1: Yes, <laughs> um, it's even more apparent as we open up the community that. People don't want to do writing exercises. And I understand that because one, it's one of those things that you can tell yourself as much as you want. I just don't really have time for that. How am I going to find my room to write something down for 20 minutes? And it's also really easy to tell yourself, well, I'll just read the instructions and think about it Mm -hmm. and that'll have the same effect. And research shows that it does not. (laughs) The The therapeutic value of writing is that as you are writing words down, your brain is sort of forced to slow down to that speed and to assign language to these thoughts that have been jumbled around in your mind for so long. And so the process of expressive writing is the process of seeing for the first time what this narrative in your head has been. You think you know what it is and then you start writing and you look at the paper or I can speak from my experience. Yes. I have looked at the paper and really not liked it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I seen, I'm like, man, that is that's, that's, that's not very kind. dark. <laughs> yeah, it's very dark. Yeah. And so it The type of things that come out are the things that you would be mortified if anyone ever came across this piece of paper. But the wonderful news is now that that is out, Brene Brown calls this a shitty first draft or an SFD, I believe. (laughs) Once your SFD is out of your brain and on the piece of paper, you have the opportunity to change it. Right. It has now come to this rational part of your brain where you can see this isn't how I want to feel about this situation or this isn't what I want to feel even about my body or the way the pain flows through my body. And you can say, all right. What am I going to consciously shift in this narrative that's going through my mind? And you have the opportunity to author your own story about what's going to happen. And that's why I think the writing is so, so powerful. And that's where people have the most significant breakthroughs across the board. We see people having breakthroughs in other areas as well, but writing by bar is the place where people have their big aha moment and then the other techniques start to work even better now that they are past whatever big barrier has come out in their expressive writing and one more thing about writing we see a lot of people who have hand pain and don't want to do the writing because it hurts right so we do say that you know, typing will have a similar effect Mm -hmm. or using a voice recorder on your iPhone or whatever device you want to will have a similar effect. Of course, if you can use a pen and paper and write it out, that's probably going to be your best bet. But these other techniques can be effective too if physically writing isn't a great option for you. So you can use dictation software, you can do other things to get the same result. The whole point is just slowing your brain down, assigning language, and taking an honest look at the narrative that's bouncing around. Awesome. So
0: in the response that you've gotten so far, what would you say the average heal time is for people that have had success with the app? Do you see a pattern yet, or is it still too early?
1: That is a tough question, Mm -hmm. and it has been really, really interesting to observe because we have seen almost no correlation between how long someone's symptoms have lasted and how long it takes them to reach a breakthrough or to heal. Mm -hmm. And we've Mm -hmm. also seen, you know, not a huge correlation between, okay, if you use the app X number of times, we can guarantee that you'll start to feel better because everyone's body is just so unique. I can say that we do collect a bunch of feedback from people after they've been in the app at certain periods of time. So about 70% of people start to experience some degree of physical symptom relief Mm -hmm. after the first month of using the app. So that's a pretty big majority, but I say that with caution because it is totally okay if you are at a month or two months mm-hmm. of use, and your physical symptoms aren't letting up, but you're you're getting closer and you can feel it, and you're feeling hopeful, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, everyone's body is really unique, and the key is to just be very hopeful and set your positive expectations, but to not put pressure on yourself to be the fastest and best healer. <laughs> that- history of TMS. Right. That's that's not going to (laughs) work. Right. That's just another symptom, right? Exactly.
0: So, And so in your opinion, in seeing the bigger picture, what do you see as the kind of number one thing holding people back from getting better?
1: Mm, I think early on, the number one thing holding people back is they're not quite there in their belief that this will work, Mm -hmm. which is why I think people really, really love hearing recovery stories because the more examples they can put into their brain of times where this has worked, the closer they can get to that belief. Because if your brain doesn't think that it can be trained to unlearn physical pain, then it can't be used as a tool to do that. And so that's the most critical hurdle to get past. And so to anyone who is struggling with that, I would recommend just taking in as much information and education as you can, doing it from multiple sources, listening to all the podcasts you can find, um, you know, reading books from different authors, looking at research from different researchers in different universities, using the curable app, making sure that you can really convince your rational brain that the science behind this is quite sound and this has worked for a lot of people and there's no reason that it can't work for you. Right.
0: Um, And so kind of tailing off that, and then this is also kind of a question that um, dives into your most recent like mind, like body episode, but I just wanted to get your opinion. Um, Sarno was kind of like a very physically focused, um, doc in that he talked about back pain and neck pain and joint pain. And and it was very pain based, but mm-hmm. I believe that the mind body diagnosis is, Super far reaching. So, I'm just curious have you guys had any stories coming through for, say, like Lyme's, which is like so in vogue right now, or lupus, or RA, or any other like non traditionally accepted as TMS diagnoses?
1: Yes. So, we get people who come in with all sorts of things. And what I like to tell people when they ask, I have X condition, will this work for me? I like to tell them that any kind of pain and any kind of symptom, no matter if it has a a physical structural issue that you can see that's tied to it or not, all pain is created in the brain. And therefore, these techniques can help you to feel more power over it. It can help you to unwind any psychological aspects that might be amplifying it or contributing to it. So no matter what you are going through, your thoughts about that matter. Your feelings about that matter. And the way that it relates to the other things going on in your life, that all matters. Is that going to be able to 100% get everybody to zero pain perfect health for the rest of their life probably not right but no matter what your condition is you can help feel power over that and you can probably unwind some of the pain or some of the intensity of your symptoms that you're feeling just by going through these concepts
0: yeah beautiful yeah I think uh, a lot of times we you know Sarno had this list of things and we, we attached to those things and the people without that, you know, the diagnosis matching on that list feel hopeless. And so I think it's important to, to say that it can, you can be helped at least some by this education piece.
1: Yeah. And you might be pleasantly surprised by the amount that you're able to be helped once you get into it, because once people start diving into these concepts, it's not just like, something that helps you with your pain, it's concepts that'll help you with your entire life. Yes. It's concepts that'll help you be less stressed, concepts that will help you live more joyfully and fully. And so when you start to work on those areas of your life too, the symptoms start to just mean something different to you and matter to you less. So people might be really, really surprised at the overall positive impact on their life.
0: Right. And so... Um, I'm sure you guys get a lot of questions coming through um, with people users of the app and also non-users of the app. What are some of the most common questions that come through that you would like to kind of address in like FAQ style?
1: Mm, Let's see. The most common question we get, which we've already sort of addressed, is I have X condition. Will this capture me? Yes. yes. (laughs) Everyone, everyone, everyone wants to know this. Yes. And I also you know, we, we say this in the app time and time again, but if you have the ability to visit a doctor who is well-versed in these mind-body concepts, it will give you such peace of mind right. to just make an appointment, go see them, and be able to have a medical professional tell you, I am looking at your body, I am looking at your charts this is the case for you. And that is the big turning point of belief for a lot of people if they have the ability to do that. So I always say that that's a really great jump starter. And another common question we get is, I don't know when to find the time to do this or how frequently do I have to do this? People are looking for Almost a formula for healing. They want to know, okay, well, do I have to do it three times a week for six weeks? Or, you know, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, When can I expect to be in X condition, Y condition, Z condition? So with that, like I said, everyone is really, really different. Mm -hmm. And I recommend that when people feel like they can't find the time, they go through kind of a mental exercise of the time that their condition (laughs) takes away from them Mm -hmm. and go through the exercise of sort of the opportunity cost. You know, like if you could spend 50% less time in pain, even 20% less time in pain, how much extra time would you have in a week? Mm -hmm. So is is it worth investing 20, 30 minutes a week in this in order to get that amount of extra time. You know, I know it's not always the fun and exciting thing for people to set aside time for a writing exercise, right. but if it'll give you a few hours of time where you are not in pain, you can go do something fun and exciting with that time. Right. You can go on a walk outside with your family, you can go to the park, you can go eat at a cool restaurant, do whatever you want. Um, So I like to encourage people to think about all of the positive open time and the positive things that can come into their life should they find some success and then decide for themselves, is that trade-off worth it?
0: Right. That's such a great perspective because I think, yeah, when we say we don't have time, that's usually just resistance talking. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. I don't have time means I won't make time. Right. Right. That's. That's all there is to it. There's not a nicer way to say it. And I've been guilty of it before, too. You know, we we have time for what we prioritize Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. prioritizing your health is really important. And it's hard for people because they don't they almost feel selfish prioritizing anything about them. Right. Um, But if you are in better health, you are better equipped to help others. So it's worth it.
0: So now, nowadays, um, do you ever have um, migraines kind of coming on, and what's your favorite thing to do to kind of allay that if if they are coming on?
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't even call them migraines. I get headaches sometimes, and I think that it's funny when it happens, I can immediately fall into the negative thought pattern of, Wait, I'm supposed to be a role model in this. This can't happen. <laughs> and then I feel really guilty about it. Yes. Like, no, it should be better at controlling your Yes. Hey, you gotta control your body. Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> I put all this pressure on myself, which is clearly unhelpful. You're
0: not a human. You can't have pain. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, you have a podcast about this. <laughs> um and so I try to Get that thought pattern under control. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. As quickly as possible. I like to do... First, I like to see if I can connect the dots on what's going on. Like why this is coming out at this specific time. Am I in a situation that I really don't want to be in? Did I say yes to something I really didn't want to do? Have I not taken time for myself this week and my body is rebelling <laughs> against that. Mm-hmm. What's what's the situation? And if I can identify what it is and make a change in what I'm doing, then that will usually be a really good method for me. And if that's not an option, um I like to excuse myself from whatever situation is going on and I will literally go listen to one of my own pain relief visualizations.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, your, your voice very is funny. very soothing, so I will Thank say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I made, I made some of the ones that would work for me and I can't find them anywhere else because they came out of my head. Right? So I like to listen to those which is a little weird because it's like me giving myself a pep talk and I don't remember the exact words I use. So it's, it almost feels like my inner voice telling me yeah. what to do. That's got to be therapeutic. Area.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, but I I find that really helpful because I just think that visualizations are such a powerful tool for teaching your brain to behave in a certain way in a certain situation it's almost to me like an intervention (laughs) Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah Yeah. so I like to cool
0: yeah it wasn't until I read Sarno that it was like I had been visualizing my back as broken and suddenly (laughs) he's like you're not broken, you're sturdy and stop worrying about it and I was like, "Oh." And it was almost like I could see my spinous processes just clinking into place and suddenly mm-hmm. having the strength that they always had but I just forgot, you know, or I didn't oh. I
1: didn't know. We don't realize the images that our mind is conjuring up on its own until we replace them with something else because every time I got a migraine in the past before any of my mind body days, I would visualize that there was like a blood clot in my brain that an MRI hadn't caught and that I was going to have a stroke in my sleep. And, you know, like I was just just jumping to the worst case scenario. You know, my uncle had a brain aneurysm in his sleep and he passed away way too soon when he was really young and he had had migraines too. Uh So I thought to myself, oh, I wonder how much of this is genetic going to happen to me? Are these the, are these the early stages? And so that was the visual image that was really strong in my mind. And so my mind just made everything much worse from that image, as opposed to what I do now.
0: Yeah. So speaking of genetics, like your, Mm -hmm. your perception on genetics, um, say before you found mind body medicine to now, how has that changed like what percentage of things do you feel are purely genetic
1: I I mean we have genes that is yeah <laughs> that is a fact I think that for things like bad knees or migraines I think that there are certain genes that can predispose you to be a little more likely to develop that. However, those genes aren't necessarily activated already when you are born. And it is the things in the environment around you that can push them over that edge. And it might be easier for them to be pushed over the edge for, say, me than for somebody else. Because of my genetic predisposition, but that doesn't mean it can't rein itself back in. And I think that the way things are modeled for us makes a really big difference as well. So if your parents had really bad migraines and you always expected that you were going to develop migraines and then you did, and then you say, I guess this is just a part of being an adult life, you know, the way that things are modeled for you. Shapes your belief, it shapes your expectations. So it plays a huge role yeah. in whether or not that ends up actually coming into your life and how bad it gets because you see, either it's modeled for you how bad it can be, or it's modeled for you, oh, this isn't that bad. You can heal yourself. You know, right. it, it's really different based on your environment and your cultural beliefs. So, you know, as children, we are taught. Pain is bad. Go to the doctor, get a physical procedure done. Right. In, in the USA, that's what I was taught. I don't know if that's what they're still teaching. I hope not. I hope to change right. that. So, <laughs> yeah. but I think our cultural expectations, the models that our role models set for us, those play a starring role in whether or not those genes up the on switch.
0: Yeah. I think, was it in one of your podcasts where you had someone on, I don't remember who, but they talked about how back pain, people don't go to the doctor for back pain in what was it, the Middle East or something like that? Have you, was that you or no? Am I thinking of another?
1: I I don't know. It might've been are you thinking of whiplash?
0: Well, no, I remember that from Shubiner. So yeah, whiplash doesn't exist in Lithuania, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I found fascinating. And I try to tell my whiplash patients that, and they're like, no, I was in a car accident. It's real. (laughs) And I'm like, no. So I've been refining my message too over the last year and trying to find a better way to communicate these things to people. So Um, so we're going to start to wrap things up here. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to tell everyone how they can find you, how they can catch you on social media or on iTunes and how they can access the curable app.
1: Absolutely. So the curable app you can access in the Google play store or the Apple app store. Just look for curable pain and migraine. It's got a little picture of Clara, our, Chatbot, our little guide through the curable program as the app icon. So that's how you know you're at the right place. Mm-hmm. And then you can listen to my podcast called like mind, like body. And you can find that in iTunes or stitcher or anywhere that you get your podcasts.
0: Awesome. Well, Laura, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, I'm just really grateful that this technology is out there. I think it was a needed Uh, very needed in this TMS space. It was something that, you know, just was missing before. So thank you for filling that gap. Um, And so I'm going to put links to everything that we talked about in the show notes, of course, but is there anything else that you want to add before we say goodbye?
1: No, I mean, I am, I'm so pleased to be able to contribute to this movement at all. As you know, it's something that, Everyone gets really passionate about after it affects their own life, and they just want to help change other lives. So I'm glad that my skill set was able to fit somewhere in the mix at all, and I'm just so grateful to see all of the wonderful recovery stories. And I did forget to mention our website, which is curablehealth.com, for anyone who is wondering. But yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been so great, and thank you for what you are doing as well, for awareness and to get recovery stories out there. I know that when people start to get involved in this space, they email me asking if I can put a podcast out every single day. So (laughs) the the merrier in this space, the more that people can have access to recovery stories and useful information, I just encourage them to get it from any sources they can and to just kind of load themselves up. So I think it's awesome. The more information we can get out there, the better. Very
0: cool. Well, thank you so much. You're you're a dear. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thanks so much, Caitlin. All right. Well, have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you have any questions at all, either about today's episode or any other episode, you can feel free to email them to me at mindbodymasterypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to share your healing recovery story on the air, I would love to hear from you. And you can send that story to either that email address that I just listed or mindbodymasters at gmail.com and then if you want to ask me any questions via facebook you can go ahead and reach me via our private facebook group called mind body masters and uh, you can feel free to shoot a question up in there and you can be assured that it will not reach your friends and family's timelines because it is a private group and uh, yeah i'm always there so you can feel free to reach out whenever you like And once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. I love you all. See you next week.